This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall, joined by a good friend of the show. You hear him almost every week, especially during uh, election season, our good friend Brad Bannon. You can check out more of Brad's work at BannonCR.com. That's B-A-N-N-O-N-C-R.com. Or follow him on Twitter like I do. That's just at Brad Bannon, same spelling of the last name. We're going to move on next to, before we go to the Republican town hall, I actually wanted to talk about a precursor to that town hall, which was an interview that was done by a right-wing radio host, um, Go Figure, who um, actually did a good job of challenging uh, Donald Trump um, this past week. Um, I'm trying to find the guy's name. I think it's Charlie Sykes. Let me see here. I've got some audio of it. Uh, he's, he's a right-wing radio host in Wisconsin. We're going to play uh, some of this interview where Donald Trump was challenged in a way that we haven't seen in a while. And we're also going to talk about why that might be the case that he has a been challenged like this but we're going to start out with some audio from that interview and uh, let brad respond well it, it, was, it was it was it was not ted cruz or his campaign so is your standard is that was, if it, no no i'm just telling you he knew he knew okay but, so is this he your standard that if a supporter of another candidate not the candidate himself does something despicable that it's okay for you personally a candidate for president of the united states to behave in that same way i mean i expect that from a 12 year old bully on the playground not somebody well, who I wants the office held by abraham lincoln couple more we're going to play here. Now, Mr. Trump, you yeah. do you do yeah. like to talk about polls a lot, and, and the recent polls suggest that you have a disapproval rating of about 70% among women, and in southeastern Wisconsin, you are very much underwater, and a lot of that has to do, let's be honest about this, with conservative women who are repelled by your attitude and your treatment of women, and you know they're going to be hearing this ad a lot here in Wisconsin media, and I want to give you a chance to respond Himbo, to it. dog, fat pig, real quotes from Donald Trump about women. A person who is very flat-chested is very hard to be a 10. I'd look her right in that fat, ugly face of hers. Look at that face. Would anyone vote for that? She had the height. She had the beauty. She was crazy. But these are minor details. I like kids. I mean, I won't do anything to take care of them. I'll supply funds and... Okay, Mr. Trump, I'd like to give you a chance to respond to that. That is, of course, from an anti-Trump super PAC, and that ad is going to be airing here in Wisconsin. How do you respond? Because those are all well, your well, real quotes, and, aren't and they? Women, women are just going to have to see what I've done. I've hired tremendous numbers of women. Women are in my highest executive positions. Uh, I pay women, in many cases, more than I pay men, which is more than most people can say. Uh, I'd like to hear what these people... You know, I've been a... I've been a a person that's been in the entertainment business and a very big person in a business, and I've been uh, quoted over the years by everybody from the time, from the time, almost from the time I started business. For whatever reason, I was, I became a celebrity in the sense. And uh, talking. Are, are the and rules different for celebrities? And, are celebrities well, allowed to insult what, women? The rules are different, but certainly I never thought I would run for office. And many people, you know, I, I, Howard Stern would interview me, and everybody would be having fun, and the women would be laughing. Yeah. Well, but you're saying the same thing. I mean, you 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 have mocked Megyn Kelly, you have mocked Carly Fiorina, well, and you are. I'm not a fan of Megyn Kelly. I mean, I'm allowed yeah. to say that. If, if Megyn Kelly were a man, uh, I would be saying the exact same things about Megyn Kelly. All right, Brad, we got about 90 seconds before we go to break, and we'll come back with more time to respond to this. But what about the comment he just made of, oh, I was allowed to say these things because I didn't know I was running for president, yet all these other people who are running, I mean, he would go back as far as, you know, eternity in their records. I mean, isn't that obviously a double standard? Well, yeah, I mean, every word Hillary Clinton has said 
in the last 30 years has been parsed, uh, has been defined, has been nailed down. Uh, and despite that, how, you know, for some reason Donald Trump isn't liable for something he said in a radio interview 10 or 15 years ago, that's ridiculous, and it is a double standard. And as the radio host Charlie Sykes pointed out, he's used a lot of the same rhetoric since he's been running for president. So that doesn't even really, I guess, you know, equate. Um, We are going to go to break, but when we come back, Brad's going to join us. We're going to hear a little bit more from that interview. Then we're going to hear about the GOP downtown hall. But also we're going to hear a clip by an MSNBC reporter who may have spilled the beans as to why that network has been giving Donald Trump softball questions to keep a relationship with him. And that may explain a lot, I think, with other uh, members of the media who have been giving him softball questions and not asking him tough questions like you're hearing from this right-wing radio host in Wisconsin, Charlie Sykes, or you saw from Anderson Cooper of CNN last night. Stay tuned uh, to hear that and more. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall, and I'm joined by our good friend of the show, Brad Bannon. As you heard before the break, um, we were talking about an interview that uh, a right-wing radio host in Wisconsin named Charlie Sykes uh, conducted with Donald Trump this week. Uh, We heard a couple clips, one where Sykes challenged uh, Trump, uh, basically calling out his bully behavior, um, his behavior towards women. And uh, in this next clip, uh, Sykes calls out um, basically Trump uh, attacking Ted Cruz's wife. And uh, we're going to hear more about that as we did in the GOP town hall. We're going to get to those clips. But first, I'm going to play that clip so you can uh, folks can hear some of it. We're going to have Brad uh, discuss that as well. You want some free advice? Seriously, since you're now here in Wisconsin, honestly, if you stand up there and you say, folks, let me just say this. You know, I'm running for president. Ted Cruz is running for president. Let's leave our wives out of it. Both of us have married intelligent, beautiful women. And from now on, we are not going to be talking about one another's wives. People in Wisconsin will love that, Mr. Trump. I don't mind that at all. I think it's great. I think that's fine. Who wouldn't agree to that? I think it's great. Again, I didn't start it. He started it. If he didn't start it, it would have never happened. Nothing like this would have ever happened. But he started it, so. Yeah. But just I would remember. Remember, we're not. Said, we're not on. You just said yeah. it's fine with okay. me. We're, we're not on a playground. We're running for president of the United States. I agree with that a hundred percent. And my views are not playground views. Brad, I mean, the guy's giving him an olive branch, and he's just like sounds like an absolute. You know, I think as Anderson Cooper said last night, a five-year-old. And the thing is, after having that interview with. Um, with Charlie Sykes and getting slammed for using that kind of language, he went back and did the same thing uh, last night. I mean, the guy just, he will not stop. It's just, even it just blows my mind. Well, he can't stop. He's pathological. Uh, he can't stop. And, you know, it's interesting because I was, while I was listening to that, uh, it reminded me of my kids uh, when they were like 10 and 7 years old. Uh, oh, no. He's, my daughter would say, oh, no, he started it. My son say, would say, oh, no, she started it. And the, they sounded exactly like Trump just did in that interview. Uh, and, you know, the reality is I love my I loved my kids when they were 10 and 7, but I wouldn't want either of them to have been president of the United States then. Uh, and, you know, we're essentially, that's what you get in Donald Trump, sadly. Uh, the other thing is this whole issue of women is, is a real problem for Trump, and let me tell you why. In the 2012 election, uh, between Mitt Romney and Barack Obama, uh, 
Mitt Romney actually won a majority of the mail vote. Uh, he won the mail vote, um, I think, uh, 52 to 48 over Obama among, uh, among men. However, uh, Barack Obama won the female vote by eight points, which is why Barack Obama's president and Mitt Romney isn't. And that's a gender gap of 12 points. And you listen to Trump and the comments he makes about Megan Kelly, uh, Carly Farina, uh, Ted Cruz's wife, uh, just about name any woman. And I will guarantee you the gender gap that elected Barack Obama in 2008 and 2012 will be even bigger uh, between the Democratic candidate and Donald Trump. Uh, so, you know, the, you know, no pun intended, uh, but Trump is cruising for a bruising. Yeah, I mean, looking at his overall favorable, uh, unfavorable rating, including both men and women, um, let's see here. His, okay, in late January, on the eve of the first votes in the GOP nominating pro, uh, process, his average favorability rating was 37%, with 57% viewing him unfavorably. But now, as I lean over to my computer, it's 63% unfavorably, only 31% favorably. So he's really uh, in a nosedive. And if you look, you know, Hillary Clinton also is underwater with the favorability rating, but nowhere near where Donald Trump is. So he's really got a, a lot of weight to pull. And the thing is, he's not, he's, it, it's, uh, he's just digging himself into a further hole. I mean, he sees these things and he just keeps quoting, oh, well, there's some polls that have me over Hillary Clinton. And as some have pointed out, there's no major polls within like the last two months that have him over Hillary Clinton. And even then it was like three out of 30 polls. So, I mean, I, the guy can't claim that stuff with a straight face anymore. Well, it, I've seen several national polls in the last couple of weeks, and every single one of them has Hillary Clinton leading Trump by double digits. Uh, in fact, the most recent poll I saw, uh, which was done by Bloomberg News, uh, and it came out, I think, Friday, uh, showed Hillary Clinton beating Trump by, get this, 18 points. Wow. Uh, and, and the reality is, uh, I know why... Republican leaders are so desperate to get rid of Trump because they're scared to death. They see what I see in that Trump uh, is is a rock, an albatross, uh, and that Trump will drag down not only himself but the entire Republican Party, its majority in the Senate, maybe even its majority in the House. And Trump is dead weight for the Republicans, which is why they're so desperate to get rid of him. Um, you know, I just enjoy watching them go at each other. It reminds me of that old expression, when your enemies lined up in a circular filing squad, stay out of the way. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Brad. It's phrased very well. I think the other thing, I mean, this is a weird question. I was kind of thinking to myself yesterday, as someone who wants to see, you know, a Democratic president, whether it's, you know, Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton, uh, very much for obvious reasons, 
Should we be, I mean, talking about the actual, you know, race itself, should we be rooting for Donald Trump to ultimately become the nominee? I mean, obviously, I'd rather have it through a brokered convention where they just continue sniping each other and it's absolute disaster. I mean, that's honestly what I want to see as a Democrat. But in the end, do we want Donald Trump to be the nominee or or, or would we rather have it be a a Ted Cruz or even a John Kasich who would even be the, the easiest, quote unquote, easiest person to beat for us, do you think? Well, uh, I've been actually thinking about that very question a lot lately. Uh, in fact, I've been thinking of writing uh, an article about it. Uh, I wear two different hats. Uh, the political science scientist in me uh, who teaches American government course, courses to young people, uh, scared to death that uh, Trump might win the nomination uh, because you just – Trump is down in the dumps. Uh, He's like anywhere from 12 to 18 points behind Hillary Clinton, and the chances are Hillary Clinton would beat him in a presidential race, so would Bernie Sanders. Uh, So, but you know, the reality is strange things happen in American politics. And let's just say uh, Trump manages to win the Republican nomination, and I think he probably will. Uh, and for by some fluke, uh, he ends up beating uh, Hillary Clinton. Um, it would be a disaster for the country. Uh, on the other hand, the Democratic uh, partisan in me is rooting for would be really happy uh, if Trump wins the nomination uh, because he would be really easy to beat. He would be easier to beat than John Kasich. He would be easier to beat uh, than Ted Cruz. He would be easier to beat than any other Republican. So the Democrat me want is glad Trump's going to win the nomination. The political scientist in me is horrified. And balancing those two, uh, I prefer he not win the Republican nomination. because I think he is a dangerous man. Um, you know, the difference is, let's say the difference between Trump and Ted Cruz. Um, I know uh, that Ted Cruz, if he was elected president, would be a very a very conservative president, which obviously as a liberal I'm not happy with. Uh, but if Donald Trump uh, becomes president, he may be the last president uh, because he may destroy American democracy as we know it, because I certainly think he has undemocratic tendencies. Uh, Too many times I've seen those rallies on TV uh, where people are getting up, uh, they're making all all sorts of insults of minority groups. Uh, You know, Donald Trump could bring this country down. And at least I know if Ted Cruz is a Republican nominee and by some fluke wins, I know he'll be very conservative, but I know he's not going to destroy American democracy. So on balance, uh, uh, a Trump winning the nomination would, would concern me greatly. I think those are some really good points, and I think it's a lot of, of thoughts that I think a lot of us have been thinking about internally, but you know, coming out and saying them, we almost like realize them to be true, so I'm happy you brought those up, Brad. We have to take a quick break, but we'll be right, right back after this quick commercial break. Speaking of conservatives, there's been a lot of questions as to why should conservatives trust Donald Trump to actually be a conservative because he's been all over the political spectrum in the past. So we're actually going to play another clip from that Charlie Sykes interview going into the break, and then we're going to have Brad comment on the other side. If you'd like to join in, the number to do so is 888-6-LESLIE. That's 
888-900-3543. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall with our good friend Brad Bannon. Here's that clip with Charlie Sykes and Donald Trump as we head into break. Some of us have worked for decades on developing and advancing conservative ideas. And you know, I want to talk about your record. I mean, you've given hundreds of thousands of dollars to the Clintons, to Harry Reid, to John Kerry, Chuck Schumer, Charlie Rangel. In your book, you insulted Ronald Reagan. You praised Obama's, Obama's stimulus as terrific. You've called for the largest tax hike in history. You've endorsed universal government-run health care. You've endorsed abortion on demand, gun control. So my question is, why shouldn't conservatives here in Wisconsin think that your claim to be a conservative now is just a giant fraud? Well, first of all, let me just explain that as a businessman, I'd never even thought of many of the things you're talking about. I was never even asked questions about many of the things you're talking about. I gave money to all politicians. I was Republican, but I gave money to all politicians, which was frankly a thing that you would do and every businessman would do it. I never thought I was going to be running for office. Also want to know why a uh, few other people have been so direct with Donald Trump? Well, we'll talk about that after the break as well. Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall. Leslie Marshall, the simple truth in a complicated world. 888-6-LESLIE. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall. We're going to play one more clip from that Charlie Sykes interview with Donald Trump. And we're going to talk a little bit about why... Not many other people who have interviewed Donald Trump have been so direct with him and actually holding his feet to the fire with a lot of these outrageous claims that he's uh, made that are just not backed up by facts. PolitiFact has rated, just so you know, uh, 77% of Donald Trump's statements that they reviewed at least partially false. 77%. Here's that last clip from the Charlie Sykes interview, who is, by the way, a right-wing radio host who interviewed Donald Trump uh, in Wisconsin, ahead of the Wisconsin primary. Uh, this was uh, from this interview earlier this week. What would happen uh, to uh, the price of goods if, in fact, a President Donald Trump were to impose a 45% tariff on goods coming in from, well, it'll from, never from happen, China? But what, it'll never happen. Wisconsin would end up doing much, much better than it's doing right now. That would never happen. But you have to have the threat out there because what they're doing is currency manipulation. They're devaluing their currencies. And they're making it virtually impossible for well, you're, you're a much better negotiator than I am, but you just said it will never happen. So you've basically given away no, that, that your negotiating no, ploy is, 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 is a bluff. A threat. Didn't you just so say you're you bluffing? A... <laughs> I mean, it's just I, I, I love the interview, Brad, because the guy, I, I have to give him credit. Um, he just absolutely holds Trump's feet to the fire and challenges him on issues in a way that plenty of other, you know, all the other candidates in this race have faced questions that tough or tougher and it's it's just you know alarming that it's taken this long or it's been this long since trump has faced some questions that are that tough so on the two specific points that sykes brings up number one being how can how can conservatives actually trust him to be a republican uh which he you know hasn't been for years and just now he says he's the strongest republican out there when really i just think he's being a, dem a demagogue and just supporting whatever positions he thinks are popular with the most extreme republicans is number one. And then number two, what about the point he just brought up with trade, these outrageous statements Trump has made, which was supposed to be the strength of his campaign was how great he was going to be on trade. I mean, it's just a house of cards. It completely falls apart with, with that great point that Sykes brings up about bluff. Basically, his whole plan is just a bluff. Yeah, I, uh, you know, if I was a conservative Republican, and I am not, everybody knows, uh, I would be horrified at the prospect uh, of a Trump uh, nomination. 
because the man has no fixed principles at all. Uh, you know, he really didn't answer that question that Charlie Sykes asked him about the tariff. And that's a favorite tactic of Trump. Uh, when he gets a tough question, he just avoids answering it. And he really didn't uh, answer Charlie Sykes' question about, you know, if you had a 45, uh, uh, if you raise a tariff by 45 percent, that would, you know, raise the price of American products dramatically. Uh, and Charlie Sykes is right. It would. And Trump went off into his, like, discourse on the economy, but he did not respond directly to Charlie Sykes' uh, point, and that's how Trump avoids uh, getting in trouble sometimes. He just refuses to answer the question. And, you know, you see politicians do that, and I guess you would, if you want to use the word artful and do that in an artful manner sometimes, but but plenty of the times then they get held accountable for it and people call them out for not answering the question directly, whereas, you know, previously... Trump has been called out for these things, but has not, you know, uh, responded by actually answering the question. And instead, um, he results to something that other candidates don't usually, which is personal attacks. He threatens that he's going to sue people. He's said that if he becomes president, he wants to change the libel laws so it makes it easier to sue media organizations who write things unfavorably about him. So he has taken things to a whole nother level with threatening the media, um, you know, threatening violence against uh, protesters. Uh, and we've you know seen that all the way through his campaign. Uh, obviously, many people have read the news that Trump's own campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski, was arrested uh, f- uh, for battery uh, of a reporter named Michelle Fields, who was actually a reporter for Breitbart.com, which is a very pro-Trump uh, website. Um, this guy, Lewandowski, yanked her by the arm, left bruises on her arm. It actually was caught on camera. Uh, he was arrested yesterday. And uh, for those of you who haven't heard what Trump said, uh, you're probably not going to be surprised. Uh, but before we even get to that, why has Donald Trump been able to get away without being answered, uh, excuse me, asked tough questions by the media? Is it because they're afraid of this intimidation? Is it because they're afraid of being threatened uh, to be sued, where he would just bury them in lawsuits, even if it's you know not a legitimate issue? We're going to play a clip as to uh, why part of the media might not be asking Trump these tough questions. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall. I'm joined by our good friend Brad Bannon. Follow him on Twitter, at Brad Bannon. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi in with uh, Brad Bannon. Uh, Brad, before we go back to uh, our promised uh, question about maybe why, part of the reason why Donald Trump has not been facing questions, we have a caller who wants to backtrack just a little bit with you about a comment you made regarding why uh, Ted Cruz might be a safer option as the Republican nominee uh, than Donald Trump would be. Uh, and welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. You're on with Mark Romaldi and our guest, Brad Bannon. Go ahead. Hi. Okay, I do see Trump as being horribly dangerous, but Ted Cruz was raised with a preacher father who is a dominionist. They have a goal uh, for the U.S. to become a theocracy. So I'm wrestling with wondering how much does this goal um, uh, does Ted Cruz agree with, and how come it's never discussed? You know, that I'm going to be completely honest with you. That's a great question. Um, you know, I've, I'm actually just looking, uh, you know, online. There's been there's one article by the Daily Beast 
uh, talking a little bit about it. That's a really good website. Um, also, motherjones.com, uh, both two good websites that uh, we can uh, put the links up on Twitter or if you want after we uh, put you on hold, um, I can uh, get your email address and we'll send them your way. And we'll look at them ourselves. I know, honestly... From the stuff we do know about Ted Cruz, it's uh, it's scary enough, and I know Brad. It's it's hard to to pick between it. I saw a good article the other day that said the the GOP's uh, choice, uh, fear and loathing between you know Donald Trump, them being afraid of him, and them loathing Ted Cruz. I think it's also notable that not one of Ted Cruz's colleagues in the Senate who has actually come out and endorsed him. Um, people have said he's been running for president his entire career. Um, so he's got plenty of negatives as well. And, and um, you know, building on what you said, I think there's also a lot of other concerns with Ted Cruz. Before Donald Trump was in the race, Ted Cruz was the guy who I thought was the craziest and the guy who I was most afraid of would actually become president. So I honestly think that you're seeing the two most extreme choices in the Republican field actually leading the field. And I think that says a lot about today's Republican Party at a bigger point, which is, you know, the Republican Party has gone from after George W. Bush. And I want to hear both of your thoughts on this. I'll let Brad respond first and then Anne, I'll let you back in the conversation on this, if that's all right. But I think after George W. Bush, the Republican Party and Republican voters, instead of a lot of them saying, you know what? We have to look ourselves in the mirror. We made a big mistake. Um, we supported this guy over two terms who has completely wrecked our economy and wrecked the United States in a lot of ways with the Iraq War and plenty of other examples we can give. And instead of actually having a, quote-unquote, come-to-Jesus moment about the mistakes that they made, they completely avoided any responsibility for it, saying— you know, we're going to be the Tea Party now, and George Bush was a liberal, and, you know, we never really supported him anyway. And they went super hard right, the Tea Party did, uh, you know, completely being racist towards President Obama and, you know, just absolutely opposing him in any way possible in the most extreme possible ways you could see. And instead of the Republican Party saying, you know what? We also oppose these policies, but we don't have to uh, use personal attacks and use these birther attacks saying he's from Kenya. You had major people in the Republican Party supporting this and basically letting the Tea Party become the Republican Party. And as Brad has said before, just basically letting the, the Tea Party take over the Republican Party. So this hateful rhetoric that has been pushed for the past eight years paved the way for someone like Donald Trump to just swoop in just absolutely grab these frenzied, angry, hateful people who have been whipped up into a frenzy and support the most obscene, hateful rhetoric. And, and then the, the Republican establishment has the goal to be surprised and disgusted that these people are voting for Donald Trump in waves. I think they paved the way for it. Brad, what do you think? Well, the short answer is uh, yes, uh, they did. I think back in uh, after Barack Obama was elected the first time in 2008, uh, the Republican Party de decided uh, to adopt the Tea Party and used the Tea Party's energy uh, to make a rebound. And it worked very well for them in the 2010 midterm elections. Uh, they killed the Democrats in 2010 with the, uh, with the Tea Party help. Uh, however, at some point, the Tea Party became the tail that wagged the dog. Uh, you know, I used to joke and, you know, 
for years now that they should change the stationery at the Republican National Committee and just cause the Tea Party instead of the, you know, the grand old party or the Republican Party, because the Tea Party sucked up the Republican Party and destroyed it. I mean, it's still there in name, but the old Republican Party uh, is gone and will never come back because the Tea Party killed it. And, you know, it reminds me of, uh, you know, JFK saying, uh, be careful when you jump on the tiger to ride him uh, because he may turn around and eat you. Uh, and I think that's what happened with the Republicans. Uh, to answer Ann's question about Ted Cruz, um, Every minute with Ted Cruz is a come-to-Jesus minute. Uh, if you watch his speeches, you read his speeches, he's always talking about uh, that government should be guided by God. Uh, Ted Cruz did not believe in the First Amendment separation between church and state. Uh, and I think, you know, I think I don't know much or of anything about Ted Cruz's father, but I think Ted Cruz, uh, we would be in danger of turning into a theocracy if he's elected president. Uh, and if his father is even more pronounced than that, we're in big trouble. And go ahead, Ann. Go ahead, Ann. Okay. Yes, amen to all of that. And if there's any moderate Republicans listening or any moderate um, Christians listening, this is a vital issue. We cannot give up our democracy for a theocracy. And I'm afraid that's what Ted Cruz wants. I think you're right, Ann. I think that's exactly what he wants. I would agree with you as well, Ann, and I, I thank you for bringing up the point. Uh, I did actually find a good article on this this subject that you're bringing up from a really good uh, writer called, uh, his name's Jay Michelson of the Daily Beast, and he wrote an article on uh, Valentine, Valentine's Day, coincidentally, of this year, uh, February 14th, entitled, Does Ted Cruz think he's the messiah so anyone who wants to look into more what uh, ann was talking about um, which is rafael cruz who's ted cruz's father uh, he's a preacher of the far-right doctrine of dominionism which holds that christians should take over the government and save it from the wicked so ann you are spot on thank you for bringing that up uh, thank, thank you guys bye-bye no problem thanks ann if you'd like to join in the conversation you can do so at 8886 leslie that's 888-653-7543 moving back to the direction we were going to uh, before which is why has Donald Trump not had uh, his feet held to the fire? Uh, I found a good clip um, on MSNBC where uh, a reporter named Tony DeCopel, I believe it is, was uh, being interviewed by anchor uh, Lawrence O'Donnell uh, as to you know this this Charlie Sykes interview. And uh, the reporter interviewed Charlie Sykes after the interview. And uh, I'll let you, Brad, hear this exchange between uh, the MSNBC reporter DeCopel and then the MSNBC anchor. Uh, Lawrence O'Donnell, and, and I'll let you respond uh, right after this audio. Joining us now from Janesville, Wisconsin, is MSNBC national reporter Tony DeCopel, who interviewed Charlie Sykes this afternoon. And, Tony, uh, I, I was struck uh, by Charlie's uh, reaction there uh, that he was surprised that there haven't been more interviews like his with Donald Trump. I am, too. Uh, and he was a little bit surprised that Donald Trump showed up for this interview, wasn't he? 
Yeah, he, indeed he was. Uh, I mean, before we beat ourselves up too much for not challenging Donald Trump in the same way that Charlie Sykes did, we have to remember that, that Charlie did a one and done. Uh, that's the term of art here in the journalism world. He knew he had one shot at Donald Trump. He didn't even think he was going to get it because he assumed somebody from the Trump campaign would Google Charlie Sykes and see that for almost a year now, Charlie's been calling Trump a vulgar buffoon, saying that he needs to build a firewall here in Wisconsin to stop the Trump train as it moves through toward November, doing everything he can to block that man's nomination. He didn't think he was going to get the interview. He got it. He pushed it as much as he could. He started off very polite, happy Easter, congratulations on the new grandchild. But oh, by the way, here in Wisconsin, we value civility and decorum and truth-telling, conservative principles, and we don't really think you have them. And then he calls him a bully, he reminds him multiple times that your answers remind me of a playground, not a campaign for the President of the United States. So Charlie Sykes, he took his opportunity. He knew it was going to be one and done. He does not have to go back to Donald Trump ever again. People who are on the beat, people who work for, for our network, they have to keep that relationship going for a long, long time. Charlie did not have that burden, and as a result, he had the luxury of being incredibly blistering. Well, I don't think uh, the fact that you have to cover Donald Trump means that you then play softball with him so that you can guarantee he will speak to you uh, another time. Once the mission of an interview is to get the next interview with the same person, we know how soft that interview is going to be. Holly freaking Louia, Brad. I mean, thank God someone said it. And I, I don't want to pour on this uh, reporter, Tony DeCoble, because obviously there's plenty of people in the industry who know that and have been working under that principle without coming out and saying it. So, I mean, I, I give him credit for actually admitting it uh, because there's many other people in the industry that are working under the same, uh, you know, guidelines i guess you could say especially when it comes to someone like trump who threatens people there's been many of uh plenty of media organizations who said now that they've written a, a negative article about uh trump or his campaign or even that they think is negative um even if it's factually you know true they've been completely barred from covering the campaign and entering the campaign um rallies or anything like that so I, I see it true with, with Trump's campaign more than any other campaign this cycle or any cycle in recent history. That said, O'Donnell hits the nail on the head. When when the goal of the interview becomes getting another interview, you just have softball questions. So that's why I think it was so jarring to actually hear the interview between uh, Charlie Sykes and Donald Trump. I mean, he, he just used his own Trump's own words against him. It's not like the guy was um, being vulgar or nasty. Like, yes, his he was pointed and his questions were sharp. But Trump asked for it by acting like a child was saying things like he started it. And the ad that they ran was women just repeating actual quotes of Donald Trump. I don't think any of that was out of bounds. I think they were all fair questions. So what do you think about this dynamic that O'Donnell brings up after the reporter DeCoble kind of spilled the beans there, Brad? Well, I think he's right. And it's not just MSNBC. The reality is Donald Trump is good for ratings. And the last thing the networks or any of the cable networks want to do is get Donald Trump pissed off at them uh, and appear not appear on their show, but appear on their competitors. Because, you know, I mean, Donald Trump does what all good TV personalities do. He draws eyeballs. Uh, and networks are afraid of losing that because he's very entertaining. And a lot of people who wouldn't vote for Donald Trump for president on a bet Love to watch him because he's very entertaining, and the networks don't want to lose that. Now, I think up until now, the the reporter, I think, just 
did the best job of uh, putting Donald Trump on the spot uh, was uh, Megyn Kelly of Fox. And this was at a Republican debate about a month ago. She really put Trump's seat to the fire. She wouldn't let go of him. And uh, she really went after him and kept after him. Uh, and, you know, congratulations. I mean, the only time I watched uh, Fox News is when Leslie's on. Uh, but, you know, i got to hand it to Megyn Kelly. She did a great job on Trump, and she did the thing that all reporters should be doing. The other reason that Trump gets away with this stuff is he's very good at evading questions. You could hear it uh, in that interview with Charlie Sykes. Uh, Charlie Sykes asked him to respond uh, to a point he made about the tariff, and Trump went on this discussion of tariffs and never addressed the point that Charlie Sykes made. Uh, and that's and Trump's very good at that. And that's one of the reasons they don't put him on the spot. It's hard to do it because he's very good at being evasive. The other thing is, Brad, and Media Matters actually uh, did a study on this, and I'll, I'll, I'll try to get some of the statistics when we come back from the break. Uh, but Media Matters for America, which monitors uh, television news uh, for basically, you know, fair using fair facts um, and not being partisan, talked about the amount of interviews that Donald Trump does via phone, uh, which many uh, other campaigns and their candidates are not allowed to do. Yet Trump has forced this exception, um, and one of the the things that happens is you have a huge advantage because it's easier to interrupt the reporter because you're not sitting there face to face and you can blame it on the phone. The other thing is you could be sitting there looking at notes, looking up something on a computer screen. You could have your campaign aides there handing you notes when you're sitting there face to face. It's a lot harder to evade questions, but Trump has used this. So next time I, I encourage most people who watch TV, watch the other candidates and then watch when Donald Trump is interviewed. Granted, if it's after like a terrorist attack or something and he's not planning to be on ahead of time, you know, that may be an exception uh, for him. And like I think Hillary and, and uh, was, was interviewed by phone after that. But besides that, there's no reason for it to be done. And Trump is doing it over and over and over and over. When we get back from break, we're going to let you uh, folks respond to that. We're going to get into audio from the Republican town hall. We're also going to take another call who wants to talk about Ted Cruz um, now that we're delved into that. So uh, it's pretty much a. Uh, political buffet at this point whatever direction you'd like to take it uh, we're going to get to all of your calls on the line we also have two other lines available right now so if you were thinking about getting in line uh, now would be the time uh, so you can grab one of those two lines before they fill up as well anybody who calls at this point i guarantee you will get on the show today but uh, i won't be able to do that much longer so if you'd like to get in on the uh, conversation with uh, my guest brad bannon and myself mark Romaldi, you're more than welcome to do so the number to join us is 8886 leslie that's 888 Six five three seven five four three. My guest today is good friend of the show, Brad Bannon, who runs Bannon Communications Research, which is a polling message development and media firm which helps labor unions, progressive issue groups, and Democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. Recently, Brad acquired a new position as a weekly blogger for EpicTimes.com. Formerly, he wrote for U.S. News and World Report. You can check out all his uh, writing uh, by following him on Twitter. He posts them there. Uh, his Twitter handle is at Brad Bannon. You can also uh, find him on Facebook. Check out his website, which is BannonCR.com. Brad, as he mentioned uh, with his uh, political science background, is also a lecturer in political science at Salem State University in Salem, Massachusetts. We'll be right back with him and you after this quick commercial break. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall. 
life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall just for today. Leslie will be back tomorrow. Uh, in the meantime, I'm joined, as I had previously mentioned, by good friend of the show and uh, political analyst Brad Bannon. Uh, Brad, we are going to take some more calls. I want to uh, start off uh, moving a little bit back. As I said, we could kind of go wherever people would like with whatever we covered. Um, anyone who calls is welcome to talk about any of the topics we've covered today. But before we get into the Republican town hall, uh, we have another good friend of the show uh, who hopefully, hopefully is also rooting for Syracuse uh, this weekend in both the men's and women's Final Four because she's in Ithaca. Welcome to the show, Helen. Go Syracuse! That's yeah. right. All right, there we go. All right, Ellen, you, we've got we've got you in the house. We've got you got two Syracuse uh, alum on the line here now. All right. uh, that's our good part of the conversation. Now let's talk about uh, the not so good part of the conversation. I think you're going to agree with with me on that. Uh, you wanted to make some comments on Ted Cruz, as we had alluded to. So go ahead. Yeah, his elitism. But I wanted to say, whenever I want to get out of Nerdville, I either like to go to Syracuse. Because I'm, I'm from Chicago, so Syracuse reminds me more of Chicago than Ithaca. Or I like to go in the other direction, Watkins Glen. I don't know if you've ever been Oh, there. actually, you, all, you know, it's funny. I'm a Buffalo native. I'm actually, that's where I'm broadcasting from uh, today, from my hometown. So I've been fortunate to be uh, all over uh, uh, New York State, and I know uh, Route 90 really well. Uh, I'm actually going to Saratoga Springs with my family in oh. a couple weeks. So uh, very, very fond so- of uh, New York. So you're like uh, Stephanie Miller and John Grayson. They're both in your media. That's right. Radio, yeah. That's actually, that's exactly right. Okay. So uh, I think uh, uh, Cruz needs to have his head examined, but uh, he is an elitist. First of all, he's brought up by his father, telling him that he has some great calling from God, which I think is, like, crazy. Um, I don't believe that. I mean, I think there can be that, but I don't think he's got it. But the other thing is that when he was uh, in law school, he would refuse to join study groups where, I think I heard this in the Tom Hartman show or something, where there were people involved in it who were from inferior, inferior Ivy League schools. He didn't even mention state schools or anything. What? And so I went to Cornell, so I guess I'm from an inferior. Wow. <laughs> so this guy is super elitist. He's going to work as hard as he can for the 1%, and uh, he's more dangerous than Trump, I even think. So. I think they, he is in a lot of ways, and thank you for calling, Helen. I'm sorry we're running out of time here, but feel okay. free to call back anytime. Uh, we love having you on. Uh, we are going to get to uh, the rest of you who are in line. Everyone who's on hold now, we will get to you next hour. I promise if you can hold, you'll be on with myself, Mark Romaldi, and Brad Bannon. We're going to delve into the GOP town hall from last night, so if you have any comments on that, the Republicans tearing up the pledge where they would support each other in November and us uh, Democrats kind of watching in both horror and pleasure at the same time, I guess you could say. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall. Join us now, 8886-LESLIE, one line open. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall. I am joined by good friend of the show, Brad Bannon, who usually you hear on Friday's 
at 4 p.m. Eastern with Leslie. But today I am fortunate enough to have been joined by Brad for the past hour and a half, and he'll be with us for the remainder of the show, which will be the next hour. Um, as we had mentioned before, if you'd like to join in the conversation, you can do so by calling us at 8886-LESLIE. We currently have uh, one line open. Brad, uh, during the break, I read some uh, disturbing breaking news. There's been more violence outside of a Donald Trump rally. Uh, this is from CBS News. It says uh, a teenage girl was pepper sprayed outside of a Donald Trump campaign rally in Janesville, Wisconsin today, and she alleged she was sexually assaulted, according to the Janesville Police Department. In a statement, the police department said, quote, a 15-year-old girl from Janesville was pepper sprayed in the crowd by a non-law enforcement person. A male in the crowd groped the 15-year-old girl when she... When she pushed him away, another person in the crowd sprayed her. We are currently looking for two suspects, one for the sexual assault and one for the pepper spray. A 19-year-old woman from Madison, Wisconsin, also received secondhand spray, the police said. Uh, video of the pepper spraying incident was posted to a Janesville community Facebook page late Tuesday. In the video, a blonde girl screamed at a man in the crowd that you bleeping touched my chest, end quote. Later, the man denied the accusation, putting his hands up and saying, quote, I never touched her. Approximately 30 seconds in, another member of the crowd sprays the teenage girl's face in close range. Another video posted to YouTube shows a little more of the altercation between the man and the teenager as she held up uh an anti-Trump sign, so I guess she must have been there protesting it. 15 years old, this girl was, who says that this man touched her chest and then she got pepper sprayed in the face for pushing him away. As she held up a sign, they exchanged words and he pointed at her with a sheaf of papers. Janesville Police Sergeant Aaron Ellis told the Associated Press, uh, actually this happened yesterday, I'm sorry. So he, uh, Janesville Police Sergeant Aaron Ellis told the Associated Press today that the girl told police she punched the man whom she accused of groping her, named by the Wisconsin State Journal as Dan Crandall of Milton. Quote, I didn't touch her, Crandall, a Trump supporter, told the newspaper. Quote, she started to challenge why I was at the Trump rally since I was a grown man. I told her I was at the Trump rally because I was a grown man and I cared about my country. End quote. Ellis said the girl could also face charges for punching Crandall. On Wednesday, police issued another press release asking for more information about another unnamed individual in the altercation. The incident took place outside the Holiday Inn Express in Janesville Convention Center, where over 1,000 supporters gathered at a Donald Trump rally held yesterday afternoon. About 1,000 more attendees, including both supporters and protesters, convened outside the venue. And on Monday night, six protesters were arrested by the Janesville Police Department after refusing to leave the venue's lobby as part of an anti-Donald Trump protest. Trump, for his part, was campaigning in Wisconsin as part of a last-minute bid for support ahead of the state's primary on April 5th. Uh, as we know, this is only the latest in a string of violent incidents and assaults in, involving Trump supporters at his events. And just this week, as we'll talk about in a couple minutes, Trump camp, Trump's campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski, was charged with simple battery after he grabbed and allegedly bruised a former Breitbart reporter earlier this month at a press conference. So, Brad, more uh, violence at Donald Trump rallies. This time a 15-year-old girl uh, is allegedly groped by a Trump supporter, and then when she swears at him and pushes him away uh, and, and tries to throw a punch at him uh, after she says he assault, sexually assaulted her, she's pepper sprayed in the face by another 
Trump supporter, a 15-year-old girl. Now, some could argue, oh, should this girl be, you know, protesting? But you know what? You should be able to peacefully protest, uh, you know, at a rally and say, you know, this is, you know, I don't agree with this. I don't think you should be in my community. And you should be able to do that without having to be sexually assaulted, especially if you're 15 years old. That's absolutely disgusting. Well, of course. You know, I mean, but it's just another day at another Trump rally. Uh, you know, a Trump rally is always comes with a police report. Uh, you know, I have, uh, we talked about my concerns about Ted Cruz uh, and his, uh, uh, you know, disdain for the First Amendment uh, separation of church and state. Um, I have a whole set of different First Amendment concerns about Trump. Um, if you can't Assemble peacefully, uh, as it says in the First Amendment, at a Trump rally. Uh, you get groped, you get hit, uh, you get dragged out. Uh, you know, I mean, this. I hate using this comparison, and I used to always tell people who made this comparison, it, it wasn't a fair comparison. But now, now I'm getting really concerned. You know, these Trump rallies remind me so much of the newsreel footage you see of the Nazi rallies uh, uh, in Germany during the 1930s. Uh, lots of people uh, pledging allegiance to the Fuhrer, uh, people who protest, get beat up, uh, and in this case, groped. Uh, this is bad stuff. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that uh, really undermines American democracy, you know, which goes back to my earlier point. Um, I think Ted Cruz uh, would be a bad president, uh, but I think Donald Trump would be the last president because I think he's really determined to undermine uh, traditional American freedoms as they're built into the Bill of Rights. Uh, and this stuff is crazy. Uh, it's just crazy. And violence should have no place uh, in a campaign rally, but it goes with the territory in pretty much any Trump rally. And you've seen how he responds to violence. We're going to play, let's play some audio from last night's GOP town hall, which began with uh, Trump be, uh, talking about uh, his campaign manager, his own campaign manager, being arrested for battery uh, after grabbing uh, a reporter so hard that it left bruises on her arm and it was caught on video, despite uh, the campaign manager saying he never touched her yet. It's on video. So, so let's hear uh, that audio and we'll let our callers respond as well. Frankly, I think this is much better than a debate. If Donald Trump is the GOP nominee, would you support him? Donald is not going to be the GOP nominee. We're going to beat him. I'm not asking for support. Would, I, do I you want, play, do you I want the people's support. Do you because continue to pledge whoever the Republican want, nominee is? Uh, no, I don't anyway. All of us shouldn't even have answered that question, but it was the first debate, and you know, what the heck. If he was your campaign manager, would you ask him to resign? Of course. Uh, look, it, it shouldn't be complicated that, that members of a campaign staff should not be physically assaulting the press. But look what she says, Michelle Fields, who, by the way, she's not a baby, okay? Well, I haven't seen the video, but they tell me the video is real, and of course I would. She was grabbing me. Am I supposed to press charges against her? Oh, my arm is hurting. Suggested Anderson, my arm is just killing me. It's never been the same. These terror attacks in Europe are a result of failed immigration policies. Do you trust Muslims in America? Do I what? Trust Muslims in America. Uh, many of them I do. Many of them I do. And some, I guess, we don't. So when you come in the country, I say, well, are you a Muslim? Raise your hand if you're a Muslim. I mean, come on, Anderson. That's not going to work. I didn't start it. 
but that's I didn't uh, start it. But sir, sir, with all due respect, that's the argument of a five-year-old. I didn't start it. You don't know for a fact that Donald Trump planted that story. I, of course I do. I watched Ted Cruz. How, though? I mean, so, North- so phony. If name-calling, bringing in spouses, and ripping each other below the belt and wrestling in the mud is the new politics, we all need to stand against it. Our children are watching. That was the uh, GOP town hall that was on CNN last night. That was a a 90-second mashup of some of the uh, audio uh, that was uh, in the debate last night done by CNN as well. Um, Someone who wanted to comment on this who's been holding patiently is uh, our good friend Michael in the Bronx. Michael, I know you wanted to comment on this. Mark, hey, Brad. You know, yeah, there's a lot to comment on this. And I was agreeing with you, Brad, about the two ways of looking at a Trump nomination, and you would think on one side it would be a shoe-in for the Democratic nominee because there are many Republicans as well as pretty much practically all Democrats and maybe a lot of independents that do not like what's been going on these days with the Trump rallies that you cannot even peacefully protest without being attacked. You can't even hold your own rally without being attacked by a Trump supporter, and these guys to this date have been getting away with it. I mean, granted, there's been some arrests, but then I would like to see Donald Trump arrested for causing this melee to begin with. But the other side is so scary is because if you go back to the Bush v. Gore era, and when the, when the stages initially called it for Gore, Bush said, I suggest these people better recount um, these votes and all that because something doesn't seem right. And then his cousin, John Ellis, from Fox, called it for Bush. And then, he, and then Bush and company was calling for um, Gore to concede and just let everything be as it is. But um, with the recount going on in Florida, you saw there was a little bit of a riot right there with Bush supporters storming in to stop the count. Catherine Harris stopping the count. Um, Jeb Bush orchestrating for the count to be stopped. And then the Supreme Court, the five justices that were part of the Reagan-Bush era. Now, that was bad enough. Now, you fast forward today, and then you hear, you see the violence going on. You hear the violent rhetoric from Trump, even going as far as saying that if I don't get the nomination, there may be riots. And then, you know, you can, you can only think that if he was an, if he becomes a nominee, what the hell is going to happen if it's Trump versus Clinton or even Trump versus Sanders? And assumingly, Clinton or Sanders, the Democratic nominee, beats Trump in the landslide. What is he going to orchestrate riots and be like, if I don't get what I want, there'll be hell to pay, and I wave my hands any responsibility if someone gets hurt or gets killed. This is totally obnoxious. But I must say also, guess what, Republicans that are so afraid of Donald Trump? You caused this. You, it's your fault because of the melee that you have caused at Bush v. Gore. When Obama became president and there was town halls to get um, universal health care passed, you people wanted to crash in every town hall meeting and engage in violence. You pushed and shoved Democratic senators and um, Democratic um, House of Representatives. That's you right, Michael. Around. Michael, you're, I think you were talking about when John Lewis was spit on. I remember when they were yep. walking to the um, Congress during Let the Obamacare. No, absolutely, Michael. Go ahead, just so people knew what you're talking about there. 
Right, and, and so I'm just going through chronologically what we've been through and seen under um, the Obama presidency that these Republicans do not want to conform and abide by the same constitutional rights as they claim to have, and they want to engage in double standards. When it comes to the Second Amendment and holding guns, they say it's their Second Amendment right, but anyone opposite of them is criminal possession of a weapon. Likewise, when it comes to the First Amendment, they think that hate speech is covered by the First Amendment, and they can um, say or advocate or incite violence or rhetoric. Um, inside violence or riots, I should say, but anybody that's telling them you're wrong, now we're supposed to be arrested for disorderly conduct, that's absolute crap. So I hope people see what the hell's going on here. These Republicans caused this melee, and Donald Trump is just taking it to extremes that's beyond anybody's imagination. Your fault, Republicans. You caused this. I couldn't agree with you more, Michael. I'll give you a hallelujah for that. Um, you know, I think Michael was spot on. I really can't add much to that, Brad. And I thought he did a good job of chronologically listing the escalation of these of this violence, honestly, in the Republican Party um, and the ten- the um, basically what they've been using, the, the things that they've been doing and that they've been having their supporters doing. You can kind of see the lead up to it, and it's just exploded like a powder keg. Yeah, it has. I mean, it's getting worse and worse and worse. And if you listen to Donald Trump, uh, rather than telling his supporters to play nice uh, and don't uh, bother people who are using their First Amendment rights to demonstrate peacefully, he's egging them off uh, if you listen to his speeches. Uh, And, you know, and I think that's what's going to prove in the last analysis Trump's undoing. Because one of the things that Americans are looking for in a president who can is is a president who can bring people together. Uh, they're not looking for presidents uh, who incite riots, uh, who uh, get people uh, to resort to physical violence. Uh, that's what not what Americans are looking for. Uh, they've seen that happen in other places, and they know it doesn't work out very well. And they're looking for someone to bring people together. And Donald Trump doesn't even come close to that. And that's in the last analysis why I don't think he's going to be, ever be president of the United States. All right, Brad, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back with the rest of your calls. We've got uh, everyone online right now. We will get to you uh, before the hour ends. We do have one line open because uh, Michael left us. So if you'd like to fill that line in, you're welcome to do so. Uh, We should still be able to squeeze in your call as well if you want to get in on the uh, conversation. The number to join us again is 8886-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall, joined by good friend Brad Bannon. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Uh, Next, we're actually going to play a clip that is from, uh, let's see, I think this is Ted Cruz uh, talking some more about how he would fire Corey Lewandowski if he was his uh, campaign manager. So let's play that clip and then we'll have some reaction from Brad and our callers as well. Donald Trump's campaign manager, Corey Lewandowski, charged today with simple battery. If he was your campaign manager, would you ask him to resign? Of course. Uh, Look, it it shouldn't be complicated that that members of a campaign staff should not be physically assaulting the press. I mean, mean, that that shouldn't be a complicated decision. I mean, he says he's innocent of all the charges. Uh, You believe it was assault? uh, You know, he's he's just been charged. I know that 
The reporter alleged that she was physically assaulted. That, that I will say it's consistent with a pattern of the Trump campaign. Do you they, think it says something about the campaign itself, about the, the leadership? The culture of the campaign has been a campaign built on attacks, on insults. And, and I think there is no place in politics for, for insults, for personal attacks, for going to the gutter. And, and there should be no place for physical violence either. Reggie, go ahead. You wanted to talk about Michelle Fields uh, and Corey Lewandowski. we got about 30 seconds. You could finish after the break, so go ahead. Okay, man. Uh, why, why do you have people like, or such as Michael Savage attacking uh, Michelle Fields saying that this guy, Kerry Lewandowski, should be, quote-unquote, given the medal for stopping a narcissist like Michelle Fields before, because, because of what she wanted to do with Donald Trump, you know, simply asking him a question. She didn't touch him or anything like that. She couldn't even get close to him because he had secret service. So how could she have touched his hand when she can't even get that close to him? Well, it's because they like to lie. I mean, Michael Savage is honestly like a, a huge hate monger, so I'm not surprised at all that he supports Trump. But let's see where law enforcement is on this, who has to be, you know, objective. And they uh, did not arrest Michelle Fields. They arrested Corey Lewandowski. We'll be back. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall, joined by Brad Bannon. We're going to go right back to our calls, and then we'll get to some more audio. If you'd like to join in the conversation, we have two lines open, 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. Reggie, go ahead with uh, the final point you wanted to uh, make. Actually, sorry, wrong line. We'll get to you next. Okay, I'm Brad. back. How are you doing, yep. Mark? Happy day to you and Brad. You as well. Go ahead. As I was saying before, why do you have people protecting guys like this guy, Lewandowski? And, and additionally, haven't you noticed that most or certain conservative talk shows have now turned against them, and even those on Fox News have turned against Donald Trump? And uh, why does he have Secret Service agents? I thought those were only for uh, presidents and ex-presidents protecting him. I didn't know um, the candidates have some of them do. I think uh, both Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders have them, as well as Donald Trump. I know. I forget what the uh, why it is or, or how they. Do you know how that works, Brad? Yeah, yeah it does. Uh, the uh, Secret Service. Uh, most of the candidates do. I I would bet you serious money Ted Cruz has it too, uh, because uh, routinely uh, I believe that's a decision that's made in the White House. And the rule of thumb is these days uh, in the strange world we live in that any serious uh, presidential candidate uh, gets Secret Service protection. So that's not out of the ordinary. Uh, that's how it works. It's basically the White House uh, makes that decision. As far as people not peeling off support of Trump, I think his supporters, as he said, he could shoot someone in in the street in Fifth Avenue and he wouldn't lose supporters. It's because the people who do support him support him diehard. I mean, there's nothing he could say or do to lose that support, it seems. And that tells you something about those supporters, that they're not uh, very issue oriented, I would say, um, in a lot of ways, because he flip flops all over the place. He says outrageous things and they just seem to love him even more, although I think he does have a ceiling that other candidates don't have because of his hateful rhetoric and because of his huge uh, uh, negative uh, favorable versus unfavorable rating. Would, would you, what do you think about that uh, with the, with his ceiling versus other candidates, Brad? Well, uh, yeah, I think Trump's attraction is twofold. One is uh, even people who don't like him like to watch him because he's entertaining. Uh, two, uh, you're right, his 
crowd, his supporters are very motivated. Uh, some would say crazy, uh, and the reason is that. You have a lot of angry people in this country. Uh, they're angry uh, at the economy. Uh, they're angry because they feel gays and racial minorities uh, are taking over uh, what used to be the province of the white male. Uh, basically, they see the country is going to hell in a handbasket. Uh, Trump understands that and voices that anger and frustration. That's why he is where he is today. All right, Teresa in New Mexico. Thank you for waiting. You wanted to talk about. Uh, oops, you wanted to talk about Ted Cruz and the separation of church and state. Go ahead, Teresa. Yeah, the caller that uh, indicated that if Ted Cruz became uh, president, we'd have a theocracy. Well, we do have separation of church and state, and uh, no president can make a religion. Um, the only person that I know that made a religion was uh, King Henry VIII, who created the Church of England. And he uh, persecuted everybody that was not going to be um, uh, uh, in that church. Um, as far as Trump and the GOP go, um, you know, I think you should be celebrating the fact that this is a democracy. Um, and everybody has a right to speak, whether you agree with him or not. This, I think, is a, should be a celebration. Uh, this is free speech, and the Democrats do not have to agree with uh, the Republicans. But to call Trump a Hitler, now, you're talking kind of out of both sides of your mouth because you're saying the hate speech of Trump but then you're calling uh, Trump a Hitler. Oh, to, to, to let, I'll let Brad hold, hold on, Teresa. I'm going to let you finish, but before you move on to other points, I'm going to let Brad respond because oh. I believe what Brad had said, but I let him clarify, is that he saw what some the violence at Trump rallies is scaring him because it's recalling violence at rallies in Nazi Germany. Is that correct, Brad? Uh, yeah, it is correct. And basically, I think if you look at, I mean, the last couple of months. Every, there's been some sort of physical altercation at every single Trump rally. And it is the people who get hurt are the people who are there. Hold on, Teresa, Teresa, Teresa. Hold on, hold on. Brad, hold on. Guys, 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 guys. Hold on, hold on. Teresa, I promise I'll let you respond, but just it doesn't sound good on radio. Let Brad finish, and then I'll let you respond. So, Brad, continue. Okay, and, uh, you know, I mean, the crazy thing is, uh, you know, Donald Trump revels in the violence. He loves it. If you listen to his speeches at those rallies, he just eggs his supporters on. Uh, and, again, as I said before, they're an angry bunch of people, and you see that anger at the rallies. But, again, as I said before, that is going to prove Donald Trump's undoing because Americans don't want a president who's going to – uh, uh, divide people. They want somebody, a president, who's going to bring people together. And that's not Donald Trump by any stretch in the imagination, because if you're and live in Donald Trump's world and maybe Donald Trump's America, if he's president, you only have freedom of speech if you say nice things about Donald Trump. You don't have freedom of speech if you criticize him. I would agree with that, Teresa. If you heard that clicky clicking sound on air, that means the call dropped. So I don't know if Teresa meant to 
hang up or it was an accident, but if, if you did not mean to hang up or your call dropped, Teresa, you're, as I said, you're welcome to respond. You can call us back at 8886. Leslie, I, I would agree with you. The rhetoric used by Trump, um, you know, although what he a lot of what he says is free speech, it's also uh, very violent, and that doesn't mean we should celebrate it. I think it's outrageous to say we should celebrate this type of hateful rhetoric. Um, there's plenty of ugly speech that is also free speech, but that doesn't make it good or something we should celebrate. Um, I think that's kind of ridiculous. Uh, Trump has also been claiming that he's self-funding his campaign. I want to play this audio. Uh, there'll be final piece of audio we play from the GOP town hall last night. Again, I thought Anderson Cooper did a good job of challenging Trump on a lot of areas other people have let him get away with. Um, here's that audio. By the way, I'm self-funding. I am self-funding. So the health care companies aren't taking care of me, but they're let taking me... care of everyone else. Wait one second. You, you, you always say you're self-funding. How much do you think has, your campaign has cost so much? Are you, are, in the past, you've said $25 I, I million. So. I'd say I'm, a, I'm in right now for... Now, I'm in for about $35 million right now. Okay. We it's take... About... The, the small loans, the people that spe- send $17.50 or $250, even $1,000. You solicit I don't those say, on your website. No, I sell hats and shirts. Sure, no, but you do solicit donations no, I, on your I, website. I don't really think so. I think, yeah, you do. I think, you have, you have okay, two whatever, spots where you do. Whatever. It's peanuts. Okay, it's, it's not peanuts. peanuts. It's $7 million. It's Look, a lot of I'll money. I'll tell you what. What I've done is I'm in for about $35 million. It's about a third of your campaign is no, funded not, by other no, people. No, it's not. Not a third. Whatever the hats are, they it's, also cost something. I mean, well, they according to the FEC, you've raised more than, I think, $7 million last let me, let me put it differently. Let from from differently. individual donations. I am not uh, soliciting money from insurance companies and from lumber companies right, and from banks and from. If I did, I would have made Jeb Bush look like a baby. So I mean. He completely gets caught in a lie. He says, I'm not paving on my website and or soliciting these donations. And Anderson Cooper says, uh, there's two sections on your website where you're doing exactly that. So I think it's just an example, finally, of someone holding his feet to the fire about this nonsense about how he's self-funding his campaign. He's loaning his campaign money. A majority of what he's given his campaign has been loans, which he will be paying, get paid back at the end of this. So it's a complete crock. Well, it is a it is a crock, and you know where Anderson uh, Anderson Cooper got that information from the official reports that the Trump campaign uh, sent uh, is required to send to the Federal Elections Commission, and these are reports that the Trump people make. And you know, if you look at the Trump's own FEC reports, it is quite clear he's not funding the campaign. But he says he's funding the campaign, and it's just a function of the fact uh, that Donald Trump couldn't tell the truth if his life depended on it. Another good example of it, when we first had this incident in Florida uh, where uh, uh, his campaign manager uh, yanked the arm of this reporter, uh, Donald Trump said uh, in reaction that his campaign manager did not touch her. Well, as anybody who has seen that footage on TV or on the Internet can see quite clearly uh, that Trump's campaign manager grabbed her, yanked her very hard, uh, but Donald Trump said he uh, he didn't even touch her, which is, again, a lie. Yeah, and then he changes stances, and instead of answering that, he says, oh, well, she she touched my arm, which he's never said before, by the way. That didn't come up until his campaign manager got arrested. Then all of a sudden he remembers to mention that Michelle Fields touched his arm. And last time I checked, he didn't say he had bruises or anything on his arm like Fields showed pictures of to the police. Um, and well, yeah, and, you know, I've been to lots of presidential rallies uh, in my lifetime, and somebody always tries to grab the candidate's arm. 
Yeah, absolutely. We're going to go and, next. But, to my knowledge, uh, the thousands of times that's happened before uh, to presidential candidates, not one of their campaigns manager has physically assaulted the person who is trying to touch the presidential candidate. Absolutely. Until this time. I couldn't agree more. We're next, so we're going to go to Jason in Northampton, uh, Massachusetts. Uh, he wanted to respond. That's Northampton, Mass, right, Jason? Uh, I'm actually... I'm actually in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. We must have had the city there wrong. All right, so Jason in L.A., sorry about that. You wanted to respond to Teresa's call regarding uh, free speech. Yeah, it's just I, I've been hearing it a lot from Trump supporters that, um, you know, it's this idea that just because we have free speech means that every idea is equally valid. I mean, Trump's free speech invites condemnation, and that's also free speech. I mean, we shouldn't just pretend that, you know, Saying something non-PC is a blanket for, for saying anything you want or anything stupid or anything offensive to other people. I mean, uh, it's ridiculous that that's something that we should be celebrating simply on the basis of, well, it's free speech, so it must be a good idea. I mean, I, I think you, you, you make a really good point, and I also like your point about it's our free speech to uh, express our distaste at these comments, uh, I, I honestly, I, I couldn't have said it any better myself. So thank you for that I mean, uh, contribution. We, we all, I mean, we also have laws, you know, uh, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. And, you know, some of Trump's rhetoric has certainly, um, you know, been, been inflammatory. And, you know, it may not rise to that level, but it's certainly something worth keeping an eye on. And it's dangerous for sure. Absolutely it is. I mean, the guy has said, I'd like to punch that guy in the face. I'll cover the legal fees of anybody who punches someone in the face. And then someone gets punched in the face at one of his rallies. And he, he said he was considering paying the legal fees. I mean, I don't, I don't get how much clearer it needs to be. The guy has threatened riots if he doesn't get the GOP nomination, if it's a, a brokered convention. Um, I mean, it doesn't get much clearer than that. So thank you for calling, Jason. I, I really appreciate it.